Dominus illuminatio mea, et salus mea, quentimebo, Dominus defensor vite mea, accorte vidame. The Lord is my light and my salvation, whom should I fear? The Lord is my life's refuge, of whom should I be afraid? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. <coughs> On April 21st, 2004, St. John Paul II offered a memorable commentary on Psalm 26, given us as the intro of today's Mass. He related the psalm to the words of the Apostle. It almost seems, said St. John Paul, as though we were hearing the voice of the Apostle Paul proclaiming, if God is for us, who is against us? It is remarkable that today's epistle is taken from the very same chapter 8 of the Epistle to the Romans that St. John Paul II quotes in his commentary on Psalm 26, which is the source of today's intro. The two passages given us in today's Mass, Psalm 26 and Romans 8, throw light one upon the other. Psalm 26 must be sung and heard in the light of what the Apostle says. I reckon that the sufferings of this time are not worthy to be compared with the glory to come that shall be revealed in us. Who then shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or persecution, or the sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are put to death all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. But in all these things we overcome because of him that hath loved us. I seem to hear the apostle interject here. The Lord watches over my life. Whom shall I hold in dread? Vainly the malicious close about me as if they would tear me in pieces. Vainly my enemies threaten me. All at once they stumble and fall. Though a whole host were arrayed against me, my heart would be undaunted. Though an army onset should threaten me still, I would not lose my confidence. And the apostle concludes, For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor might, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature, shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. It's a marvelous thing, this reading of Psalm 26 with Romans 8 in a kind of counterpoint. The collect for this fourth Sunday after Pentecost formulates two petitions both of which are related to the gift of peace 
of which our Lord spoke in the cenacle on the night before he suffered. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth do I give unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, nor let it be afraid. Just as Romans 8 sheds light on Psalm 26 in the intro, so too do the words of our Lord shed light on the collect. The first petition of the collect is this, grant us, we beseech thee, O Lord, that the course of the world may be directed for us peacefully according to thine order. In some way, this prayer, that the divine order may prevail, echoes the third petition of the Our Father. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We beseech thee, O Lord, that the course of the world may be directed for us peacefully according to thine order. In other words, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. St. Thomas, quoting St. Augustine, says that peace is the tranquility of order. The collect asks then for that peace that is the tranquility of order. It is a peace that reflects on earth the tranquility of order that is one of the accidental joys and beauties of heaven. In heaven, all things are ordered to the praise of God. The Pax Benedictina, a blessing that we associate with life according to the Holy Rule, is a participation here and now in the tranquility of order that prevails amidst the choirs of heaven. The second petition is this, Ed ecclesia tua tranquilla devozione de tetu, and that thy church may rejoice to serve thee in quiet devotion, tranquil devotion. Et ecclesia tua tranquilla devozione de tetu. The word devotio derives from devoveo, the verb, to vow, which verb is related in the Bible to the offering of sacrifices in fulfillment of a sacred vow. We sing in Psalm 64, Te decet hymnus Deus in Sion, a hymn, O God, becometh thee in Zion. Et tibi redetur votum in Jerusalem. And a vow shall be paid to thee in Jerusalem. And in Psalm 50, we sing of offering sacrificium justitiae, 
oblationes et holocausta, the sacrifice of justice, oblations, and whole burnt offerings. Peace is at once the necessary condition for the worship of God, for paying our vows to God, and a fruit of the worship of God, to which Saint, as Saint Benedict says, nothing else is to be preferred. The gradual and the Alleluia verse are cries for pardon, for divine succor, and for security in the stronghold of God. In the Gospel, St. Peter struck with a holy terror at the manifestation of the divine power of Jesus, which manifestation was chosen by our Lord. The form of the manifestation, the actual prodigy, was chosen precisely to touch Peter, the fisherman. It was a miracle to which Peter could relate as no one else. And Peter struck with a holy terror at the manifestation of the divine power of Jesus falls to his knees and makes a prayer, listen to this, not unlike that of the prophet Isaiah in the temple. Because Peter says, depart from me, for I am a sinful man. And Isaiah says, in chapter 6, woe is me, because I have held my peace, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people that have unclean lips, and I have seen with my eyes, the King, the Lord of hosts. The Apostle Peter could say as much. I, Peter, have seen with my eyes the King, the Lord of hosts. The response of Jesus is addressed not only to Peter, but to us and to each one of us. Do not be afraid. Note the imperative form. God, says St. Augustine, gives what he commands. God gives what he commands. Do not be afraid. So compelling was this divine imperative, this reassurance, this gift, that the apostles when they had brought their boats to land, left all and followed him. We see the effect of the divine imperative in the response of the apostles. St. Luke's whole account of the miraculous draft of fishes corresponds in effect to the account of the vocation of Isaiah, which ends with these words. One of the seraphims flew to me, and in his hand was a live coal, 
which he had taken with the tongs off the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this hath touched thy lips, and thy iniquities shall be taken away, and thy sin shall be cleansed. Depart from me, for I am a sinful man. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who shall go for us? And I said, Lo, here am I, send me. And Jesus saith to Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And having brought their ships to land, leaving all things, they followed him. The offertory is drawn from that most poignant of psalms, Psalm 12. I often give Psalm 12 uh, as a penance in confession. I also recommend the frequent use of Psalm 12, especially to souls in the grip of depression or discouragement. Psalm 12 is one that every man will be drawn to pray in his hour of terror and darkness. It is in some way a prayer of Gethsemane. If I were to assign a Christological title to Psalm 12, I would call it the prayer of Christ in Gethsemane. Give light to my eyes that I may never sleep in death. We shall sing, lest my enemies say, I have overcome him. And the verses from the psalm assorted to the antiphon uh, complete in some way the psalm. The secret of the Mass will make us utter a very bold petition. The secret today is a very risky prayer. Don't say amen to it unless you want things to happen. It's a dangerous prayer. When we say amen, we are in effect saying, I want what this prayer asks. So what are we going to ask in the secret? We shall ask God to turn even our rebellious wills to himself. Even, et ad te nostras etiam rebelles compelle propitius voluntates. Oh, and in thy pity compel our rebellious wills to how shall we put it? Turn even our rebellious wills to thyself. I cannot pray this secret of the fourth Sunday after Pentecost without thinking of the poem of John Donne, Batter My Heart, you know the poem, in which he prays, I love the last lines of the poem, divorce me, Untie or break that knot again. Take me to you, imprison me. For I accept you, enthrall me, never shall be free, nor ever chaste. 
except you ravish me. And in thy mercy draw our rebellious wills unto thyself. Batter our hearts, three-personed God. Dunn's choice of the verb batter is very significant because it's the battering ram that the verb evokes. And a battering ram is used to break down the defenses of a walled city. The communion antiphon is addressed directly to our Lord Jesus Christ. This often happens with the communion antiphon. The communion antiphon gives us the very prayer that our Lord wants to hear on our lips at the moment of receiving his adorable body. This is especially striking today. What do we say to him at the very moment of Holy Communion? O Lord, my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, Dominus firmamentum meum et refugium meum et liberator meus. And then, my God, my helper, Deus meus adutor meus. It's remarkable how the communion antiphon, when we relate it to the moment of the Mass in which it is sung, seems to be illumined with layers of meaning that we would not otherwise see. Hear the communion antiphon at the very moment when I shall hold the adorable body of Christ in front of you. That's the moment to say, O oh Lord, my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my helper. Let this be our prayer not only at the moment of Holy Communion, but even when we find ourselves face to face with the sacred host in the secret of adoration, which adoration is a prolongation of that moment just before receiving Holy Communion, when the sacred host is held up before our eyes. Adoration of the Most Blessed Sacrament prolongs that moment of the Mass. Dominus firmamentum meum, et refugium meum, et liberator meus, Deus meus, adjutum meus. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.